Ooh, that's a lot of dings. That's a long one, Mr. Craig. <laughs> that's that's something. So, guess who we have? Will you please inform me, Mr. Craig, who we might have got, today? We've got Peter J. Fonier for life lessons and sales sessions. Ooh, those salacious sessions are about to be coming upon us, huh? Let's do it. Buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Hey, Craig, um, this year I got some crazy growth goals for my agency. And actually, I've been talking to a few other agents. They got some crazy growth goals. So um, can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing that's just crushing it in your agency right now? Yeah, well, we're doing a lot of internet data leads uh, through a uh, company called EverQuote. And they're actually one of our sponsors. Ooh. Yeah. We're, so can and you I'm tell me a little of, bit about that? Yeah. Part of the Accelerated Growth Program. Um, which includes having your own consultant that's going to go over your results. And it's it's positioned to make those leads cost less so that you have lower acquisition costs. It makes it totally doable. Awesome. And so so what have been, what has been your favorite parts about it so far? I like the I like the visibility into the results um, and and being able to compare what the, the numbers that they get on their side with the numbers that I get on my side and seeing that they mesh up. So we know that the data is correct and that we're actually uh, you know in, in a cost per policy or cost per sale that, uh, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, cool. they make it real easy to track. And you know what? Guess what? They gave us a deal to offer to all of the insurance dudes and dudettes out there. Oh, I got to know about this. Yeah, you, all me. you need to do is go to go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes. That's go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes. And they give all the insurance dudes out there a killer price on this. So mm, I'm signing up. What's up, guys? Can you hear me? There we go. There hey. we go. Boom. Hey. Close the store real quick. How you guys doing? Sure. Awesome, man. Good, man. How you doing? Good, good, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, Peter Thanks Fournier. For coming on. Is that right, Fournier? Yes, yes, sir. With the French flair. With the French flair. Fournier. Well, welcome you to wanna, the insurances. Welcome to the dudes. Yeah. You want to just dive right in? Let's dive yeah. in. Let's, Let's dive. do it. Do it. What it was your first? We like to do a little icebreaker. What was your first concert that you ever went to? First and now con- we're. Th- I, I want to preface this with like. Where did your parents take you? Oh, yeah. Was it like I a saw- Barney concert or was it like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I it can saw be that old. the first one ever was probably uh, Britney Spears, 98 Degrees and the Baja Men. There we Dude. go. All together. I think I was like 12. The Baja <laughs> Men. That, see, that's what I'm looking for. Those are the nuggets. Those are the good nuggets that's that it. I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, who let the dogs out? That's it. No one know who they were. And then the song blew up. I was like, who are these guys? So that was post (laughs) or that was was pre like the Baja men opened for Britney Spears in 98 degrees. And like it was in Arthur Ashe stadium during the U S open. Like they had this Arthur Ashe kids day and uh, they went on and sang that song and like four or five others. And people were like, not even in the stadium. Like no one knew who they were. It was wild. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't even know they had other songs. Right? <laughs> they, they, they did like a, a half hour set. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then 98 degrees. It's amazing when you go to these shows and, um, and, and the opening band is just, you know, that ends up being big. Like there, people aren't there. I mean, I went to Jane's Addiction where Nine Inch Nails open and, and we were like Nine Inch Dildos. I don't want to have any part of that. You know, like it was, (laughs) and then here you go. Wow. You know, I mean, one of the biggest bands of the nineties. I mean, just crazy. Dave, I went to a Grateful Dead where, where, where Dave Matthews opened and we were like, who the hell's Dave Matthews? I went to a Dave Matthews, I'm a huge DMB fan. And uh, I went to a Dave Matthews concert where Jack Johnson opened and like no one was in the stadium. Clueless, right? Yeah, clueless. Like played Taylor, you know, all those like throwback Jack Johnson acoustic songs. It was just him by himself with a microphone. With no Uh, shoes on. Right. (laughs) Yeah, with (laughs) perfect socks on. (laughs) So awesome. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, Peter, thanks so much for, for hopping on. Um, you know, for, for anybody who hasn't heard of you or is living under a rock, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, like where you came from, how you ended up in insurance? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I've been in insurance since, uh, pretty much college, which is kind of crazy. Um, I got roped into that college intern game for a captive, um, and got paid like I think it was 150 bucks a week at the time. Actually, even before that, I interned for ING, which no longer exists. Mm. Uh, got yes. absorbed by Voya. And uh, at that point, I was getting paid like, I think it was like nine bucks an hour at the time to cold call for the producers. And, uh, you know, they were driving around in like Porsches and shit. And I was like, uh, am I allowed to curse on this? It's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sure. So, uh, they were driving around like Porsches and, and I was like, what is going on? And then I saw the opening um, at Northwestern Mutual uh, for the intern program. And I was like, all right, let's see what this is all about. Um, so I got paid like 150 a week. Uh, I wrote down, you know, 300 people that I knew. And then my college unit director was like, all right, uh, go sell them something. I was like, how do you do that? What do you <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that arguably that could have been like the best training you get is like, Oh, you can't swim. Just throw them in the deep end. See what happens. Um, so I did that throughout college. And then, uh, after college worked for another captive and then finally went independent, um, in 2013 and, uh, kind of never looked back. So I was at two IMOs before I found, uh, innovative financial group who I'm with now. Uh, but yeah, it's been almost a decade, which is crazy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So tell us, uh, t- tell us from that point on, um, what was that path like? You came out um, of two independent eight, or two captives. Yeah, it was in. a wild one. Uh, you know, you don't know any better. I think my initial comp is an intern and, and these companies might've changed their comps. So don't take them for, for gospel. But I think I was paid like 30 to 35% initially Ooh. and had to do joint work. Like I, my mentor would like take me out, you know, and we'd split the case. So you're making like 15, 17 points, I guess, on a, on a term product that that's $10 a month, you know, uh, but it was money. Like I was making money at 21, so I didn't care. And then I went to another captive that bumped my comp. I think the initial one was 42 and a half. So I was making like 15 more points. Uh, I was like, oh my God. And they provided leads, which was like crazy baffling. And then I got approached by uh, an independent organization that no longer exists and the manager uh, let me have a 55 on term and a 60 on final expense. And I was, woohoo, I'm rich, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I stayed there for a while until they folded up, 
went to uh, Amerilife, who is humongous, um, and stayed there for a while, and now found uh, Innovative. Awesome. So, yeah. so there's so many different directions to go in the in just the insurance space. What yeah. gravitated you towards this side of it? Yeah. So, um, I knew I didn't want to get like completely stuck in the in the captive model and I like, there's nothing really against it, but, um, it, it was hard selling like one product line, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I would consider myself a pretty decent closer, uh, but it's a tough sell. So if you can sell that stuff and you're successful there, I mean, more power to you. That's awesome. Um, in terms of like being on the broker side of things and why choosing that, um, I think it was really like, I was always in an entrepreneurial type mind, mindset. Like I was flipping Pokemon cards at like an early age or trying to like <laughs> resell sneakers or, you know, anything I could get my hands on. I used to buy stuff at clearance from like uh, office max that no longer exists and then flip it at like a garage sale. Like I was always in that like sales. I wanted to own my own business mentality and the broker side of things, at least initially, um, I mean, it was sky's the limit. It was all on you. Uh, you know, your manager would give you the occasional help at the time and, and that was it. Uh, and then you could write your own destiny. So I think that drew me down that, that market path. Cool. Yeah. Cool. What was so, that? Yeah. You go, Craig. Well, do you have a, a niche that you specialize in? What do you particularly like? To yeah. Like? So, um, I specialize in mortgage protection big time. Okay. Um, yeah. not like personally, uh, the final expense market, uh, did not like, uh, occasionally sitting in, you know, cat pee and all that <laughs> nonsense, right. In, in some trailer in, in East Jabib. Um, I also, it was tough naturally by course of action, final expense tends to be a smaller deal size and coming from the captives where you might not have made that much money initially anyway. Um, yeah. I wanted a bigger deal size. Uh, so mortgage protection allowed me to do that because as you guys probably know, easy mortgage protection pitch is like term and then term return or premium maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I was pitching IULs in whole life for mortgage protection and getting, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars a month and showing the value. So I stuck on that route for a long, long time. And then as um, direct mail leads got more and more expensive, I kind of branched out and, and went nuts on referrals. So I'm the referral guy. Uh, I was trying to average uh, at least three to five per household. So that way I didn't have to spend 40, 50 bucks on an MP lead at the time. Cause when I first went independent, they were like $26 for a brand new lead. So it was pretty cheap, like in hindsight, right? Sure. Uh, expensive at the time, but cheap now. So as those mail prices kept going up, I was like, man, this sucks. Like, how do I get free leads? So I got, I got good at referrals. So mortgage protection into more advanced markets. So big whole lives, big IULs, uh, the occasional annuity, that kind of thing is, is where my specialty lies. Was this going in, sitting at the kitchen table or was this over the oh, phone? hundred percent kitchen table. Yeah. Okay. Um, lots of, I, I didn't love door knocking either. It wasn't my favorite thing to do. So I made sure I got really good at the phones um, instead of knocking on everybody's door and trying to get in at that time. So uh, phoning was really important to me. But yeah, every appointment was in person. So you're driving all over at that time, Ohio, when I first started, uh, and then New Jersey, where I moved back to. Uh, but, you know, driving all over the freaking state uh, to get a wow. 
And so how do you keep yourself accountable in that situation? I mean, obviously you've been doing this a while and you've gotten, yeah. you've become successful at it, but to people, ladies and gentlemen, or dudes and dudettes cutting their teeth in this world, I mean, it, it can be a, a grind, right? Oh, yeah. And how do you overcome that? How do you stay focused? How do you keep the vision? The easiest way, and I've heard a lot of people do this, like I don't think it's a new uh uh, topic or new idea, but uh, maybe new to some of your listeners is I broke everything down in terms of when I had a door knock, how much was a door knock worth? When I had to make a phone call, how much was that dial worth? So it wasn't like, oh, I made three grand for the week and it was just ambiguous, right? And I was appreciative for the 3K and that was it. I knew like every dial, I made $65 or every sit, regardless if they sold or not, was worth 400 bucks, or something of that nature. Every referral was worth like $40. So that way, when you look at your schedule at the end of the week, and I was a big proponent on breaking down my numbers every week so I could get better. When you look at your numbers, even though that money wasn't deposited into your account yet, you could see, hey, all my activity made me eight grand this week. Now I may have only taken home three, but eventually I'm getting that other five. Um, I think that's the easiest way to hold yourself accountable because this business, for the most part, you're kind of on, a, on an island. I mean, mm. most guys and gals will have a manager or an organization to help them a little bit, but on the day-to-day, -day, no one's holding your hand or telling you what to do. Um, so you kind of got to break it down monetarily. And if you're not motivated by money, it's a tough industry to be in. Yeah. And, and it's funny. Um, it goes back to that whole saying of, of that, which is not measured cannot be approved upon. Like, like it's a very, yes. you have to have those measure, like, especially with life insurance. And I think that's for the a lot of all the captives, there's some sort of life insurance with it. Um, mm -hmm. So, and for independence, it's a great, I mean, it's a, it's a great field. Everybody needs it. It's something to at least look into if you're maybe in some other niche of that. But um, yeah, it's definitely something you have to, I mean, there's a tail on it too. Right. So it, it's really hard. A lot of people struggle with it. What have you found to be like, what, what's your formula these days going, going at it? Yeah. So in terms of scheduling and stuff? Yeah. Just like, like if day. you... I guess this, if, if you were talking to another insurance agent, they get into the business recently, they're like, mm -hmm. man, I got to sell life insurance. Like, I don't even know where yeah. to start. You know yeah. what I mean? What, so, what would your uh, advice be? My brand new person, uh, especially if they're just jumping into the industry, would be write down your warm market. And I'm going to tell you like every other captive, and it sounds cliche and it sounds like, <laughs> oh God, I don't want to do this, right? right. Write down your, work your warm market and work referrals off of your warm market. When you're making commissions, regardless of what comp level you're at, set aside $3,000 into a separate bank account that has nothing to do with expenses, whether business or personal, right? You can't pay your house with it, right? Set aside 3,000. Once you do that, then get on a reoccurring lead buy every single week, whether it's final expense, mortgage protection, annuities, whatever leads you're getting, I don't care. It, it's personal preference. But that $3,000 is very important because the average agent should be spending anywhere from three to $600 at least in their interim or uh, immediate position in this career a week. So three to 600 bucks a week. Well, if you blank 
two weeks in a row and at max you spent $1,200, there's still 1800 bucks in that account that you can rely on to buy more leads. People mm. fail out of the industry so fast because they're terrible at money management, right? So if I made $3,000 for the week and I spent it all on a watch or a house or whatever, paid my bills with it and set no funds aside for leads or a small amount, or I'm using my generic checking account to pay for leads, you start getting in that scarcity mentality of, man, I, I keep spending money and I'm, I'm not making that much. Well, if you have a buffer and you're refilling it like we have Easy Pass in New Jersey, right? If you're just replenishing it all the time, so you take a thousand out for leads, you make some money, you put the thousand back in. So you'll always have that rolling 3K. You could go on a two week vacation and it doesn't matter because leads are still coming in and you still have that buffer account. So that's the immediate is sell your warm market, sell your referrals, save up some money. My, my goal number would be $3,000 and then harp on leads until you don't have to anymore. You might get and, referrals or whatever. You know? And purchasing leads um, because we, we buy a lot of leads also, Jason and I both, uh, but PNC. So a little sure. bit which with a quicker sales cycle and, yeah. and when you have this longer sales cycle. I, I would suppose that the, that your lead purchases are a little bit quicker because they're, yeah. they're higher intent. Whereas you have the referrals, which eventually are going to be your organic growth. And that has that longer six month, maybe a year tail or even three, four years. Right. 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 And I wanted to, I always had the mentality um, in terms of scarcity of what's, what, what's going to change in the industry later on that might screw me. Right. And one day some government entity might wake up and be like, it's illegal to market for life insurance leads. Right. I'm still going to be here. I got hundreds of referrals, right. Stacked. I'm going to be okay. Are you going to be okay? Right. So even though you're spending that money on leads, focus on that referral market, average three to five per house. You don't have to sell all of them, but at least you have those prospects stacked and you're bringing, again, I bring everything down to a monetary level. You're bringing your average lead cost down. If you're spending 20 bucks a lead, but you get five referrals, it's $4 a lead now, right? right. So treat yep. it that way. But I always wanted to make sure that my business wouldn't be affected by anything that changes in the economy around me, you know? Sure. Yeah. Recession proof it. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think insurance in general, whether in your life, health, PNC, I think it's all pretty generally recession proof. We're not selling luxury watches or cars, right? People yeah. are always going to need what we're pushing, but make it so no one can control your future business. If they turned off marketing, because they made it like unlawful, you're going to be all right if you're good at referrals. Yeah. How what would you go? How, how did you, how you're, so you're I, like every human, right? We, we question ourselves. We're always in our head where we're thinking like, ah, uh, this isn't going to work. They're going to think I'm an asshole. Like, how do you get, you're on that kitchen table the first time and you start developing this referral, this referral process where you're mm -hmm. asking. How did yep. you, when did you finally break through and see results from doing that? And how did you work it? Not I to give away your secret sauce, but. I, I obviously had to get referrals in the captives because um, one captive provided leads, but there weren't a ton of them because they were free. Mm. Right? So they gave them to you sparingly and the other, you had no leads. So um, I <laughs> starting there helped out, right? Because it was sink or swim anyway. But I think really where I drove it home personally was my second year um, in the independent space. 
Uh, first year, I was buying a lot of aged leads and getting on a plane and flying to different states because the lead returns were better. I didn't have a lot of money coming from captive to independent. I also spent a lot of money like an idiot, which is why I'm, I'm harping on money management now so much for myself and my agents. Um, but I was flying all over the country, like trying to sell leads. I was like, I can't sustain this. I mean, from 23 to 25, it was cool, like whatever, but you can right. sort of have family and do that right later on. So I think it really clicked like my second year in the independent space. Um, and really all I did initially, and this is a little tip for everybody trying to learn how to get referrals out there, leverage your beneficiaries on your sales. So all I did was get a primary, and this is obviously for life insurance, but a primary, a contingent, and a tertiary beneficiary, or two primaries and a contingent, or three primaries, or whatever, and leverage those and let your prospect know, listen, I just need to reach out to your beneficiary, speak with them for 15 or 20 minutes, let them know what it means to be a beneficiary, how to, God forbid, file a death claim if, you, if something happens to you, give them all my contact information. And if it's okay with you, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, I'd like to go over what you purchased, if it's okay for me to tell them, uh, because maybe your kids want the same product that mom and dad has. Is that cool? And they'd be like, yeah. And you'd start filling out their application. At that time, everything was on paper. There's no e-app, right? Or limited e-apps. And while I was filling it out, I would ask them, hey, can you text your beneficiaries or give them a call? Let them know what you're doing right now. And I'll reach out right after this appointment's over. And that was it. And it's, it's very non-invasive. You're not trying to you know, crush them sales-wise. You're just mm. explaining what it means. And a lot of the times, if you got two or three in a house, one of those referrals would be like, give me the same plan mom and dad got. Mm. You'd be like, okay. And then you're a glorified order taker at that point, right? There's no selling, um, which was cool. And then I got brazen enough to start full-blown asking for referrals, you know, telling people this is how I make my money, blah, blah, blah. Give me some people. But the initial crutch, for lack of a better term, leverage those beneficiaries and make it super easy to get referrals. That's awesome. And I think referrals is something that, nobody does well. You know what I mean? Like every time anybody, anytime I hear about referrals, I'm like, dang it. Like that's the, that's definitely the biggest weakness um, that we have. And I think a lot of agents, it's especially when you're on the sales train, you're buying leads and stuff, you have a process and you follow that process. And there's, then you start thinking about, wow, with all the volume that we're doing, there's all these different areas that we could. Right. Uh, and I think the problem is too, is uh, you guys probably see it in the PNC, right? Either with yourselves or with agents or whatever, no matter what, as a salesperson, you could be selling toilets. I have no idea. Right. Once you, once you get the okay and you made the sale, you feel inside like, I don't want to jeopardize this. I'm not yes. going to ask any more questions, right? I'm just going to get the sale and go. You already closed it. You can't say much that's going to turn their mind around as long as you did a decent presentation, right? You already got the yes. So go for the second money. I think that's a Grant Cardone thing is like second money. But the first purchase is always the hardest. The second, right. the third, the fourth, the fifth, whatever is always easy. So you might as well ask, right? Yeah, it's For sure. It's, it's like what Russell Brunson does with, with ClickFunnels, right? You could do yeah. You sell the product, upsell, downsell, sideways sell. You do all this right. other stuff because you've already made the sale. Right. So yeah, why aren't we asking? And we just had this discussion in our, in our meeting this morning with my team uh, because we're doing like a three-pronged process after we close the home and auto. 
okay. where there's first swing. So the first line of defense is the producers. So the PNC producers have to ask, no matter what, in every conversation, they have to bring up life, right? It's do you own your house? Right. It's either going to be yes or no. If it's no, then great. We're going to include a hundred thousand dollar term, right? If it's, if it's yes, um, great. How much do you owe on the house? Do you want to see it paid off? Right? So that's very simple, non-threatening. And yep. they give them a rate. They say, we're going to include this in the package. And then we can always back it off. Awesome. Right? And then the next day, if they say no, the next day I have a second swing. So I have my sales, my sales manager is calling, congratulating them, going over the discounts, sort of like beneficiaries, mm -hmm. going over those discounts and saying, hey, we want to make sure you have all the stuff. You're going to get the paperwork. Was everything great? Did they bring up life insurance? By, you know, by the way, it's only boom. So we're hitting them again, right? And they nice. say yes or no. Two weeks later, I have the person that does all our reviews. She's actually back here. Um, does all of our reviews or annual reviews or, or whatnot. And, um, and she also does the third swing. So she's calling them and saying, Hey, I want to verify. I know that, you know, Linda's super good. She usually asks the right questions and gets you the right coverages. I've been in the business about 10 years and I just want to make sure that everything's right. So I'm going to dive a little bit deeper than they did. Is that all right? Do I have your permission? They say yes. And then boom, we go through it. And it's like, literally, since we implemented at the beginning of the year, we've uncovered over uh, 15 million in assets. We have, a, we have an appointment today. I haven't even checked up. That's a $10 million annuity. I mean, it's just like, what? How did this even? Unbelievable. Right. And then we have several life policies already in the hopper because we're doing it, right? But it's that repetition, right? Yeah. Developing mm -hmm. a process, holding them accountable, and then going through it. So not to and hijack. Not one, prospect, yeah. not one prospect in that funnel would probably be like, Oh, hey, Craig, by the way, I got $10 million. You want it? Right. No way. Ask, you know? no, no way. Not one. Right. Not yeah, one. But, and it was just like, hey, let's make sure you have the right amount of coverage. And they had state minimum. They have, it's, it's way more than $10 because they won a giant lawsuit. Something happened. Like a seatbelt broke in their car and they won a big wow. lawsuit. And so, but you never, you would never, when you see these people, you would not think there's $10 million in right. an annuity that just came out of surrender. Like yep. that, that wouldn't even cross your mind. And because we did the process, we connected with it. You know, a couple yep. years ago, a million dollar rollover because we did a similar process. But it, it's, it comes down to this not asking. If you don't ask, you're 100%. They don't have it. Right, right. right. I mean, you're you're right. guaranteed. And you bring up a good point too, Craig. Like the, the, especially when I first started out, prejudging is like the ultimate killer in this business. Like I've sold right. five, $600 a month whole life for IULs to people like in a trailer that I didn't think could afford $30 a month. Sure. You show it to them. You can always go backwards, right? right? But you'd be surprised on like who has money and who doesn't, you know? Mm -hmm. So never prejudge, just go through your presentation and then ask. And who's going to connect with that need, right? A lot of times the producers right. are, are not going to buy that life insurance. They're like, well, I wouldn't get it, but it doesn't matter what you would do. It right. matters what they need and doing the proper needs diagnosis. I mean, that's how you land on this stuff. So mm -hmm. it's just super powerful to ask and the right questions. You guys, you guys, that's another good point too. I'm sorry, segueing, but uh, how many agents do you guys run into either PNC or life that don't even own life insurance? Like, what do you oh, do? Tons. tons. Yeah, tons. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. like I'm a, I'm a, I, I like cars. I'm a big BMW fan. It's like buying my BMW from a guy that drives like a, a Camry. Like, right. what do you know about the car? You know, you don't even <laughs> yeah. drive it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it no, it's so true. 
It's so funny. Yeah. The, the, definitely it's the, um, I mean, whether or not it's PNC or, or life or anything, you got to comp- the best producers take the emotion out of it and give the best presentation every time, regardless. And then you eliminate any kind of, oh, I didn't do it to this person. I didn't do it to this person. I gave so-so. Uh, I always say it's two prongs. So one is you're going to miss out on opportunity. So if you want to sell the most, you have to give the best presentation every single time. And then the other part is if you give a crappy presentation, you're teaching yourself to suck. Like that's what we tell everybody. So like if you give, yeah. So if you give 10 great presentations and two of them suck, it eliminates half the good ones because you're teaching yourself to suck. So if those were the last two, you're probably going to start off the next day horribly. Right. Like Shaq with his free throws. Right. I mean, he sucked because he did the same thing. Right. Every single Continuing right. to suck. Yeah. Right. I mean, until he had taco neck, right? He, got, right. he did land the Taco Bell commercial. So that's like, uh, I forget who said it, but it's not practicing or practice makes perfect. It's practicing perfect makes perfect. Yeah. Right? Yep. If you're practicing a crappy presentation, you're only going to perfect the crappy presentation. Absolutely. Doing everything perfectly, you're going to eventually get there. Right. Yep. Yeah. And and, uh, back when I was a drummer, they'd say perfect practice equals makes perfect permanent. Yes. And it's, it's, it's so true with anything in life. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be a drummer actually, instead of, uh, instead of this crazy (laughs) school initially, I wanted to be a musician. And then boom, insurance. There you are. <laughs> were you, you were a musician then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play yeah. guitar, drums, a little keyboard, a little bass. Yeah. Wow. Cool, man. Same yeah. here in a previous life. It's awesome. <laughs> you know, and, and along those lines too, um, it, it's, it's so critical to coach the team because what happens, and I don't remember who said it, one of our podcasts that we were talking to somebody, they said any, any perfect system is going to decay into chaos if it's left unattended. Right. I think it's an Einstein saying, I don't, it doesn't really matter, but like, that's real important, right? If you leave it alone, everything is not a mushroom where it just magically grows in the dark and and everything works out. Everything else does not work that way, right? You leave it alone. It's going to slowly slip. Bad habits are going to come in and it's going to go to shit. That's just the way that it is. And so, you know, I know that I know Jason coaches his team every day. I, I, Peter, I'm sure you coach your team every day. I know coach other teams also. Um, and it's the same thing. If, when we don't meet, it starts to go to decay. Like I was in, I was in Hawaii for a couple of weeks over Christmas. You know, I get back, there's some bad habits, you know, even though I have salesmen, we actually sold more than when I was there, which is another funny story. But (laughs) however, you know, that you could hear in the conversations, it was, it was being done a little differently that don't ultimately produce the best results. And so, um, Talk, why don't you talk about how you coach your team and what your philosophy is behind that? Sure. Yeah. So a lot of one-on-ones um, I try to do, cause I'm like wearing 50 hats right now, but I try to get with the team at least once a week uh, on an individual basis. I like group trainings too, but I feel like everybody needs a little different stuff. So I'd rather spend like 15, 20 half hour with each person individually than do like a three or four hour group presentation presentation and have what I want right. today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so the one-on-ones are important. And then within the organization, we actually developed a training university. 
So that way I can replicate myself uh, constantly. So if you're up at three o'clock in the morning and you want training, you're obviously not calling me because I'm asleep, but you can log <laughs> into our university, go through the training videos, go through the quizzes. We're constantly testing the agents at the end of each module. And it's anything from final expense, mortgage protection, advanced markets, annuities, Medicare, basically any product that you want to sell, you can get trained on and tested on. So, and it's all about repetition. Like once they complete one course, they should go back to it at least on a weekly mm -hmm. basis, reaffirm everything. So it's a multi-pronged approach in, in terms of training. I, the one thing I don't do and other uh, life insurance producers might like shame me for it is I don't really believe in me doing field training. And the reason for that, like going one-on-one -on -one with somebody in my car and going in the house, I used to do it a ton. And I found one of two things happen. Either the agent really tried to impress me and they would like overly push and overly mm -hmm. close, right? And not get the sale. Or they would crap their pants because I'm in the house <laughs> with them, right? And they wouldn't get the sale. So either way, we both, like it doesn't work. Um, so I actually have stepped away from doing that. I would say in the past like three or four years, I don't touch the field training uh, just for that reason. I know some people do it and it's extremely successful, but I've never had good luck with it. What about, what about listening to calls? Do you do, you do that in the office? We do. we do a once a month national and then we do weekly calls uh, on specific topics. So maybe it's advanced markets in terms of IUL pitches or how to fund one, or it's uh, the perfect mortgage protection sit or the perfect senior close or something like that. Each individual uh, thing is a topic. Uh, and then we actually started our own uh, podcast so we could do weekly announcements because the, the problem with having like innovative has got 5,200 agents that I'm oh, wow. in charge of training with a couple other members of the executive team, right? It's a lot of people. So some people don't protect their email. Some people don't log into the Facebook group. Some people don't watch the university, right? So we got to blast it on all uh, mediums. So it's going out email. We're doing weekly and national calls. We go through the university, we go through the Facebook group, and now we're doing our own podcast too, specifically for our agents. That's an internal? Yeah. Yeah. One is really internal and one's external. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We, we get, we dive into, we actually, and you know, PNC is a lot more phone heavy. Sure. Um, and, and we will do hot seats in the office uh, where we play the call with everybody around. And, and Ooh, I, I like think it. nothing will make somebody more uncomfortable, but then also break through, right? You hear yourself just yourself. Like, I mean, the first couple of times editing, you know, listening to our, us on this, I'm like, oh man, it's like, yeah, you know, why did I say that? Yeah, why did I, <laughs> but, but it's like, you do that with them and they're super uncomfortable, but then when their team is supporting them, and we're giving the feedback, you know, usually a little positive, then a here, this is what you could do. And then positive, um, they, it really helps them break, break through and you see that needle move the other direction. I love that. We do, um, we have uh, similar like live dials. So we'll get on like a Zoom or a go-to meeting and someone will be like ballsy enough to dial all their leads. And then other people will dial in the same Zoom meeting. So you can't like hear each other, you hear it on the playback, but it builds a little camaraderie because like we said before a lot of people are on an island you can be in florida california wherever so we do zoom yeah. live dials which works out too some people are a little scared to do it but it works out for those that do but i think that that's that's so important though it it does two things it brings the team together because mm -hmm. you feel oh like oh i'm so nervous and the other guy next to you was nervous or virtually or whatever and then once it's once that's done it's like everybody's like oh that was crazy huh and it's like so 
not only does it make you better, but it brings the team together. And I honestly, that I think that group training has been a game changer for, for us since we've done it. Mm. Um, I think it's a good thing to encourage on here, regardless of what you're selling or anything. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Well, and it with, really helps. And with this, like this zoom, like we're looking, there's three of us looking at each other. We're in right. three geographically different locations in the planet. And yep. yet it's like, we're in the same room. Um, we yep. had, remember David Meerman Scott, he actually goes on stage with Tony Robbins and he was on here. He was talking about like the physiology behind Zoom meetings. It's as if you really are connected. Like this is as good as you can get to being in person. And our brain, our brain believes that we're in person when we're doing this, you know, so we're, we're seeing the gestures, we're smiling at each other, you know, the, so it really is super impactful. I, I have, you know, Jason has two locations I have three locations and we, you know, we're on at least once daily with everybody on there. And, you know, it, from when I didn't do it to when I now have done it, significant impact on the results and the team, right? The camaraderie, like Jason totally. said. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It pulls you with that. the good. And I think that, I mean, with what we're doing or, or anybody, you get into like, desk drone you know what i mean so like those right. times that you pull away is such a good thing it helps you recharge yeah I th- yeah i mean this business whether you're selling pnc life health whatever it is i mean insurance can get super mundane like it's it's yeah hard to it is like your, right it's yeah. hard to sit at your desk and make calls or drive around in the field for nine hours a day and not be like oh man this is rough yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And music and coffee only takes you so far, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so so you've been a mentor. You're a mentor to people. But before you became a mentor, what? Who did you look up to? What? What different people did you pull on as as mentors to learn? Yeah, uh, it was a lot of people outside of the industry. I think um, I didn't really have the best. Uh, uplines, I guess, for lack of a better term. I have one really good one that kind of took me under his wing a little bit. But uh, it's funny, my, so I interned for Northwestern in in college. And at that time, my dad started working for, so my dad was in corporate America for like years and years and years. And uh, he was in HR, nothing to do with sales, whatever. And uh, the company got bought out. So he needed something else to do. So he started working for uh, Colonial for like worksite benefits. And we kind of came up together in oh, terms of uh, learning the industry. So it wasn't like mentor mentee, but we like talked every day and was like, what's working for you? I, I can't do that, but this is working for me and like shooting stuff back and forth. So I think that helped out a lot because what I think is broken a little bit with our industry is the lack of people wanting to help other people. Like you guys may do it. I do it right. There are others out there that do it, but insurance in general can be a very selfish industry. Mm. So it's hard to get that mentorship from someone that's not reaping the financial benefits (laughs) of mentoring you, right. Or being a direct manager. Uh, So I think that's hard, but me and my dad went through a lot of stuff together in terms of like learning the ropes at the same time, which was really cool um, to be able to do that with family. And now he's doing really well and I'm doing really well. So like it worked. Uh, but I think that anyone starting in this industry, if you start with a friend or, you know, somebody or like somebody, I would attach at the same level, obviously get coached, get mentored, whatever, but find like a running buddy 
that like yeah. you can recap the field with on a daily basis. It doesn't even have to be from the same company, right? Just someone that you know you like and is on kind of the same path that you are to bounce shit back and forth on a daily yes. basis. It makes it a lot easier. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So awesome, awesome advice. Um, what would be the number one piece of advice you would give any insurance dude or dudette out there? Like the number one thing. Keep, if you could only give one. If I can only <laughs> give one, it would be keep to a process. Um, and like not just your pitch, not just your clothes, not just your scheduling, but like why it can become mundane is because the best insurance agents, regardless of the product that they sell, have the same day the same week, the same month, the same year. Now there's growth in there where you're doing more and more and more, whether you're hiring people or replicating your systems with others, or maybe outsourcing admin stuff that allow you to build revenue, but you have to stick to that process. As soon as you become lazy or you think, oh man, I'm the shit. I don't need to do X, Y, Z anymore is immediately when you start dying in this business. So yeah. find a process. And as soon as it works, do it. Like I would never have a problem if you showed me how to make a million dollars a year and all I had to do was A through Z every day, I'd be mm. like, all right, Craig, all right, Jason, I'm just going to copy exactly that. And maybe yes. I'll make 1.1 million or 1.2 or whatever. But like, I was never of the mindset, well, ugh, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to reinvent the wheel. Like that's so stupid. You know, you don't have to do that. Just yeah, latch on to a presentation or a formula that's made others successful and just copy it, man. There's, there's, I mean, it's not rocket science. Mm. This, um, the industry is not easy, but it's extremely simple. Yeah. You know? mm. As long as you that. did it, yeah. Create that process and then stick to it and um, don't give up. That's a, yeah. I think a lot of people give up because it just is like you said, it's, it, it can be difficult to do all of that activity to hustle like you need to. Right. And knowing oh, like, I'm going to wake up today and I'm phoning from, you know, 12 to seven, like that could be hard to wake up and be like, Oh, today's Tuesday phoning 12 to seven. But like, you have to do that. <laughs> right. Which going back to the, my initial advice of like break down everything to a dollar amount will make it feel better. If you know yeah. you have to dial for six, seven hours and every dial is worth 12 bucks. It's not so bad, you know? Yeah, yep. for sure. Peter, this, this has been so awesome. How can people find you? What other things are you, are you doing? How, how are you helping people? Um, we'd yeah. love to hear so, that. So um, if you're not a part of Innovative, like I, I'm obviously training for them. I'm their president of sales. But outside of that, I also own a, a coaching and consulting company. So they can mm -hmm. find me at PeteFournier.com. Um, anything from sales training to I literally wrote the book uh, on selling life insurance. So I do have it's called the Sling It Playbook. Um, nice. And, uh, it's soup to nuts, the insurance industry. Um, my presentations, my scripts, my closes, my solidifications. I basically took my best year ever and broke it down. Um, so if you want to visit the website and check that out, it's PeteFournier.com. Um, and then I'm basically Peter J. Fournier everywhere on social media, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. I just joined. It's weird. Nice. It one. is weird. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, feel free to follow me and tap awesome. in. I do a lot of free trainings too. Uh, if you visit my YouTube channel, I do, uh, or follow me on Facebook. I do what's called the daily tip 
and it's like 90 seconds to three minutes on just something that's going to better your business. Uh, cool. I, I cater it more towards life and health, but I'm sure PNC can use it to cross sell. Well, you know, everybody that's a PNC agent has that requirement. So I think that it's one of these things that we put off to the side until, you know, November, December, when it's like, oh no, we got to hit our, <laughs> our number, you know? And so to be consistent and come up with a process uh, is, is imperative. And it sounds like you put some really good stuff together. We'll put links down in the uh, show notes to all this stuff so they can find you and uh, don't have to figure out how to spell your name. So, uh, but we'll, we'll get, yeah, get that. Appreciate in. It. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Well, thank you so much. Anything else you wanted to add? No, really appreciate the opportunity, guys. I listened to a bunch of episodes beforehand. You guys had some great guests, so uh, pretty humbled to be on the same playing oh. field as some of those other. Oh guys. man, thank, oh, thank you, you. Oh, dude. Yeah, you're awesome, man. Sure. Thank you so much. I think there's a lot of a lot of stuff that a lot of agents will take back and um, hopefully implement implement and make 2020 an amazing year. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, dude. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Right, appreciate dude. it. Thanks. Jason, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up one of our sponsors, EverQuote. Oh, tell me a little bit about them. Well, I've been using them for a couple months, and I'll tell you that the results are delightful. It's been now a couple months, and, and over time, my cost per sale has dropped every single week. That is awesome. Tell me, so you're on a specific program with them? Yeah, it's called the Accelerated Growth Program. And this this bad boy gets you a better deal on those leads, so way less expensive. And you get a consultant that's going to actually go over your results to make sure you're tracking properly. And so you, and you've been doing that for the last couple of months and uh, consulting I have. with them? Yeah. And, and I see everybody complain about leads and, and this and that. And it's like, look, if you don't have a, a process to track and measure your results, then I can totally get it. You don't even know what your results are, right? And you asked them to give all the insurance dudes and dudettes out there a killer deal on this, and they came through, didn't they? They came through, and I know you're going to take advantage of it, but if they go to go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes, that's go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes, then guess what? What? Deal City. I'm there. Do it. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the Insurance Dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.